0: There's a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very.
1: Welcome to Expanding Reality.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Expanding Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thomas. This episode, guys, we have a chance to sit down with Kelly Hanner. She is wonderful. She wrote an awesome book called Safe Travels, which is an essential guide for safely journeying with psilocybin. Now, I will be linking in the show notes to how you can find this book. You know, of course, by the topic of the book here and the subject matter that we do cover psilocybin mushrooms and a varying variety of types of uh, psychedelic experiences as well. We do cover the stoned ape hypothesis, which is fascinating. We also talk about how the potential for Psilocybin mushrooms um, is an entity that could be hijacking our consciousness, and therefore that's how we allow them to progenerate their race. It's a fun little theory that we cover here, and we have a great time talking about it. So, all of the ways that you can find her, her YouTube, her Instagram, and her book as well will be linked below in the show notes. You guys, please check this episode out. She is an absolute delight. Uh, without any further ado, Miss Kelly Hanner. Welcoming to the show, and we are very grateful for her time. It's Miss Kelly Hanner. How are you, Kelly?
1: I am fantastic. How are you doing today, Brandon? I
0: love that. Thank you. Um, every day above ground is a good one. And I always say that because I always mean it. So thank you for asking. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Well, what's uh, sure. what's going out there in sunny California with you these days?
1: Uh, <laughs> trying to keep sane with all of the different things that we have that we're juggling right now. Um, we are fortunate enough to buy one of those round cedar barrel steam saunas. And uh, yeah, so we're getting that delivered pretty soon. So we had cleaned a pad on our land for the sauna. So from there, we're going to build a deck. We're going to put the sauna up on the deck. We have two cast iron tubs that we're going to put recessed underneath the deck so that you can hop in the sauna spend your time in there and then do like a cold plunge in the cast iron uh, tubs and i also have this idea imagined too where you know we're on mushrooms and we're soaking in the tubs at night just looking up at the stars because the stars out here are just perfect
0: yeah that's awesome so, that sounds yeah. like so so much yeah. fun well uh, then to that point then tell me a little bit about where you live <laughs>
1: Yeah, so i'm in northern california uh in the kind of in the sacramento area between sacramento and tahoe uh, we are pretty far removed but also close all at the same time to uh, the city we live off of like a two mile dirt road where the final place the final property on the end of the road itself which is pretty cool um we bought this land about two years ago. It was completely raw. We developed it. We cleared off two or three to four acres. And then from there, we put up a cabin. So during this whole lockdown situation, we had been building this cabin. And for a minute there, when all of this lockdown stuff started popping yeah. <laughs> last March, almost, you know, a year ago, exactly. Yeah, uh, We were kind of worried about the supply chain, worried that, we would have a hard time finding things, worried that the prices would go up. Fortunately enough, uh, we were able to get pretty much everything we needed. And at a time where the prices didn't really fluctuate too much and thankfully we did it when we did because now the prices of all the building materials have just skyrocketed
0: yeah yeah, they have and it has had to do with supply chains and all that so yeah i know we're we're feeling it out here too building a garden building been building a barn for a a little while here so i'm i'm smelling what you're stepping in darling. i hear you those prices did go up. (laughs)
1: well
0: what made you uh what made you get the property that you've got and move out there
1: Before we moved here, we were renting a property that was like a farm rental. So we lucked into the situation where we we were on five acres at this rental property that had a huge barn meant for like horses, livestock, whatever. And we just used that as a time to get our feet wet with the whole farming thing. Uh, My partner in the past, he had developed land in order to grow cannabis farms. And he had put up like little cabins to live in throughout the season. And so he had some kind of experience with developing land, farming and all of that. But I also grew up on five acres. And at certain different times, we had all kinds of creatures from pigs to chickens, whatever. But that was all while I was young. So... We wanted to just test the waters and see what farming could be like so we were doing that and then we just realized like shit, you know we're paying exorbitant amount for rent each month um so we decided we didn't want anything more to do with rent and then not only that but I think our first year at the rental property, uh, PGE, which is our energy supply chain uh, at the time, they cut off our power for about 14 days in the month of October. Damn. And <laughs> they had done it uh, because they were trying to prevent fires because it was fire season. Uh, but, you know, like try going 14 days without power <laughs> yeah. and see what happens. Yeah, so we got pretty fed up between rent, being tied to the grid, all of that stuff that we finally decided to look into purchasing our own land so that we could do the farm thing, the off-grid thing, and be as self-sufficient as possible.
0: Yeah. How how are you liking it?
1: You know, there is, so that's a double-edged sword. I love it. And at the same time, it's one of the biggest challenges I've ever faced in my life. Uh, for sure. Um, you know, like you see on YouTube and influencers on Instagram who are doing the farm life thing, who just really make it seem to be like peachy keen all the time. Uh And there's just so much there's, you, you can be up against so much. Um, and not only like the common things that you might encounter by being off grid and farming, homesteading yourself. But then we also live in Northern California or California in general, where you do have to deal with forest fires so like our first month of being at this property here we were evacuated (laughs) so uh we were evacuated for fires and that was pretty terrifying as somebody who grew up in the midwest and all i had to deal with was tornadoes which that's scary in and of itself but like a fire is a whole different beast too so it's uh, it's beautiful and challenging and i really don't see myself doing it any other way at this point like i could never imagine going back to paying rent going back to being tied into the grid it's just it's a lot to do all that, and it's also a lot to not do all that, you
0: know. Right, right. I think that those the, the the way you're doing it is a way more natural way to go about it. So, on a if you had to tip the scales, the more primitive element of it, uh, that's a more uh, pure way to look at it, and a pure, more pure way to kind of return to what we've been as human beings since the beginning of time, when that's all there was. There was no power grid. There was no anything like that. And I'm with you. Uh, we we still commute to the day jobs for now. Uh, in town, and it's about forty-five minutes to an hour, depending on traffic and all that stuff. But God, completely worth it. I'll, we'll never go back to the city. No, it's we love it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. I am smelling what you're stepping in, darling. Um, well, let me ask <laughs> you uh, on uh, with, with the land that you have. Uh, what is your favorite part about it? But also, then tell me the biggest challenge that you've got out there specifically.
1: Mm-hmm. The favorite part about being out here is just being tucked away um especially during this lockdown situation not being too sure with the direction of society where direct where society is headed and also understanding that you know there this we've only seen the very beginning stages of the domino effect that the lockdown will have on society and having this idea that you know shit could very well turn south for sure um you know as financial struggles come to a head and people are having a hard time putting food on the table which they already are i mean before this it was said that most families don't even have an additional 500 in the bank for an emergency fund yeah. so like what's happening to people now right yep. um so knowing that we're tucked away we have our own land we're safe out here um, I mean, if somebody wanted to come get us, they're going to have to travel pretty far and, you know, through some kind of seedy looking spaces in order right. to get to us. <laughs> so I love that. I love being able to have no light pollution whatsoever and seeing the Milky way is pretty dope. Yes. Um, yeah, but also just, you are in nature, um, you are within you're in the ecosystem of wildlife. So we've had mountain lions, bears, we had a bear rip into our chicken coop, which we thought we had built to sustain uh, any kind of bear, uh, um, you know, attack or, or to prevent the bears from getting inside of our coop at all. And we actually had a bear get in through like a 10 foot section of the coop and just annihilated two turkeys, five chickens, and it just looked like Vietnam in there. You know, there's just pieces of animal all over the place. And, you know, you never, you never really get used to seeing the death, you know, like you can become comfortable with it, but man, sometimes the way the death is packaged, the way like mother nature presents itself and you see like the carnage, um, yeah, that can really, it can do a number on you. It, it was pretty traumatic seeing some of the stuff that I've seen out yeah. here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, we had um, a flock of chickens that, because uh, at one time out here, I think we had damn near 45 chickens, something like that. So our fencing is great. But the thing that we can't really protect them against, unless the, the trade-off is their freedom versus cooping them up, right? And so for a while there, they had the coop they could go into at night if they wanted to, but we didn't feel... We had the idea that, okay, well, if you want to run around, run around, you know, but there's your freedom, but here's safety also if you want it. Uh, We never had any um, ground-based predators, but hawks are a big deal. Uh, Owls, Mm. actually, that's how we found out we had a horned owl because we found uh, a dead body of a chicken with its head completely gone, but no feathers ruffled, no nothing. So how we figured that out was my wife Googled it, and it turns out that that's how horned owls like to do it. They like the proteins in the brain, and they'll come back for the carcass later if they want it. So what they do is, at night when owls are doing their thing, they'll find chickens roosting up in trees that are safe from ground predators, right? But... The owl will swoop down and pop their head straight off and then fly off with it. And wow. then you just have a dead chicken on the ground. And it was like, what the hell is going on? So to figure that out was pretty tricky. And I'm, I'm with you. Now, a lot of those influencers and things like that, and they'll post some stuff. And the, the way that they want to present their ranch or their farm is fine. We don't talk about Mm -hmm. the death out here, really, uh, because we haven't lost too many animals, thank God, uh, to any any sort of anything other than old age. But we've we've had to do some hard things out here. But we don't air that business for everybody else, you know. So, uh, but I, I saw the damn video of you and your partner in the cabin with the in listening to the mountain lion right outside the wall. It was terrifying. I was like, what the (laughs) fuck? It was crazy. And the look on your face was just like, okay, this is how it is. So what happened that night?
1: Uh, That night was actually pretty tame. We had just wandered outside and you could hear the mountain lion. I think she was calling for her cub. Uh, They must've gotten separated. So every now and again, you could hear the mother mountain lion up on top of the hill calling out. And then you could hear down wind the little baby cub calling back to her oh my god um i mean we have trail cams set up and we've seen this mountain lion is wandering down the same paths we walk our dogs on it's just it's wild to know that we have a mountain lion within a 100 yards or so of us
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but it's like just stay over there you yeah. you have the night we'll take the day and we'll just kind of let you do your thing there is a coexistence that occurs
1: Totally. Yeah. You can totally coexist with nature. You just have to be smart about it,
0: for sure. Absolutely. That's a good call. That's a very good call. So um, we, we've been uh, buds for a little bit on Instagram there, and I wanted to get you on just because you're awesome. You're fascinating. I think that what you do is incredible. I think you live kind of the life that everybody wants uh, or that people should want, uh, if I have to put that on folks. But I think that um, the freedom that you have to do what you want to do is admirable. So how did you uh, break away from civilization, basically, not only on your land, but um, from the systems and institutions in place that tell people not to do what you're doing?
1: Yeah, Uh, thank you for that. I appreciate everything you just said. Um, I guess it started when I was 23 i had kind of done the whole Van Wilder plan in college i was just getting by barely understanding what it is that i wanted to do with my life uh, drinking all of the time uh, i'd gotten an associate's degree in nutrition which i was really passionate about but i didn't align with what i was being taught in my nutrition courses the idea i have for nutrition was vastly different than the kind of ideas that i was being fed um, so I decided to pursue an environmental sciences degree. And as I was doing that, I was doing it with the intention of wanting to save endangered animals. But this whole time throughout doing my education on that, I'm, you know, learning, sitting through classes. And I'm like, what's this have to do with what it is that I'm genuinely looking to do here? Um, well, I end up finding a network marketing company which network marketing gets a lot of bad uh, PR, really, from people, and I understand that. I get where that comes from, Uh, but I found Beachbody, which is the network marketing company I'm a part of, and I found it at a time in my life where I was struggling. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I wasn't really healthy. I had a lot of issues where I was my own biggest enemy, truthfully, and uh, so I found this Beachbody thing. I did the P90X workout. Uh, in 90 days, I lost 20 pounds and 20 inches, and I was fucking feeling great. Yeah. I was really enjoying the person I was becoming from that. Um, but they have, with the fitness side of things, they also have this opportunity to build a business. So I decided to start working on that. I didn't really take it too seriously for the first couple of years. But there were people in my area who were taking the business seriously, who were doing as they wanted to do. They weren't working for the man. They were traveling all the time. They were developing as people. They were just like doing the things that I really wanted to do with my life. So I decided to start taking that seriously. And through taking that seriously, I became, I don't know, within the top 0.01% Zero, 0.01% of the company. So I rose to pretty high level within the network marketing business. And so through doing all of that, long story short, uh, I realized that I didn't want to work for the man. I wanted to work for myself. I started to see that a lot of stuff in society just doesn't really work. Um, it doesn't work for the people. It doesn't work to provide sustainability to provide happiness. I mean, if, if you want to be completely blunt, it it works against these things, you know, like modern society is really against sustainability, producing happiness for the people doing what's in best favor for the people and the earth and all of that. So wildly enough through doing network marketing, I started doing personal development and just like honing who I was as an individual and understanding that, the vast majority of the systems that are in place just they don't work. And through that, I've been able to um, come to this understanding that, you know, pretty much um, there's this woman in uh, the personal development sphere who is largely um, considered a, a really incredible source of information called Danny Johnson. And she says, "Look at what the are doing and do the opposite. I love that. So, Yeah. um, yeah. So that's kind of been my mindset ever since. Uh, and I, at this point, I forgot what your question even was, Brandon.
0: You're good so. because actually, I got a couple of more questions on that. Um, so, to the to the point of what you said about uh, sustainability and culture, and really just society in general, I, I think that you nailed it there. And I think that when you said the thing about nutrition and not that's not what's pushed, and sustainability that's not what's pushed. Well, there it's for reasons, and you and I both know what those are. But for the audience. It's, it's generally about the fact that if you're sustainable, you're not dependent on anybody else. They don't want that. That's not good for the system, right? Uh, if you are healthy, then you don't need Prozac, and that's not good for pharmaceutical companies. So these kind of ideas, uh, and like you said, whenever they tell you not to do something, that's usually the indicator of this is what you should be paying attention to and what you should be doing. Psychedelics is a big one as well, and, and we will get to that. But um, to the sustainability part of it, I think that by you going out there and doing what you're doing and you living the lifestyle that you are living, you look healthy as fuck. Uh, you, you look happy as fuck. Um, and you can tell that those things are true for you. Uh, you're not some miserable person sitting on their couch you know, just cramming their face with processed foods and stuff like that, uh, because that's not what serves you. And and as a greater whole to the big city thing, I don't think that that model is sustainable. And I think that we're figuring that out with the way that everything's been going, because it's it's something that with a large population setting, you have a lot of conflicting ideas within an institution that doesn't give a shit about you uh, and wants to mm-hmm. compartmentalize you and treat you as a commodity rather than as a citizen. And that model is not sustainable. That's why folks like you are moving out into the country. We got out five years ago, thank God. And like you, during this whole yeah. pandemic thing or whatever, we still drove in town and did our did our day job thing because we're essential, which I've got a whole argument about the government being able to tell mm-hmm. people if they're essential or not. Uh, that's your clue right there that they don't give a fuck about you. Right. Uh, and so... To to that point though I think I think you made a phenomenal point with all of that. I I love your perspective on what you're doing and you're just an inspiration to others. So, I will be linking to a few uh, the ways that folks can find you, uh, not only to your book which we'll talk about here shortly, but also to your YouTube and your Instagram as well. Your Instagram is awesome and it's a lot of fun. I've actually you've probably gotten quite a few new followers from Texas out here because I've been telling folks about you since we started talking. Um, so with, with that, uh, let's talk about, um, your Instagram actually. So with your Instagram, uh, and my wife follows you as well. So she knows what's on there. And I think that it's wonderful what you're doing and how body positive you are. There's been a, a couple of Ooh. pictures I know that you've had issues with, um, because people have issues with that. Uh, these stuck up <laughs> motherfuckers that have problem with that. And I know that you post a lot of awesome pictures and you're very free with, uh, your body positive movement. And so, uh, you guys, please mm-hmm. go follow her. The link will be down in the uh, show notes down here. Uh, so tell me, tell me about what, how that started for you, your body positive movement that you've been working with.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, so it actually happened through beach body. I had attended a local or it was actually a, a big seminar of beach body coaches. And one of the ones that I knew locally, he had gotten up on stage and he was talking about his own journey through mental health, physical health, all that. And it inspired me to start sharing my own story. And my story is that at two separate stages in my life, I dealt with eating disorders. So when I was in the eighth grade, I was anorexic and then much throughout my late teens to mid twenties, I was bulimic. And uh, so through my shedding the shame and the guilt surrounding that by being open on social media about like hey you know i've i've had eating disorders i've I've battled with it and i've battled with this concept of hating my body and hating the person and and this meat vehicle that i am in i've dealt with that to such a strong degree that it very well could have killed me you know there were several times that you know, as i pulling my fingers out of my throat, I'm like, oh, shit, like this is not this isn't sustainable. I can't keep doing this to myself. Yeah. Um, So I started on, on Facebook primarily sharing my journey as being somebody who is recovering from bulimia. And then, you know, I started building up a following on Instagram. I was sharing fitness videos, videos of me doing different ab routines. And through doing that, I end up building a large following. Uh, A lot of those videos ended up going viral. Uh, But somewhere along the way, I discovered clothing optional, uh, beaches and resorts and all that. And that helped me to shed another layer uh, that I didn't even understand that I had still at that point, another layer of self-confidence issues, issues where I was battling still against my body. And so essentially what I do online is, yeah, I, I pose nude, right? And there's multiple reasons why I do that. The primary reason is because I wish at some point in my life, I would have had somebody who was representing me and who was showing me like, Hey, you know, I see, I understand that what you're used to seeing a natural body looking like is what's been, uh, you know, curated
0: yeah, on media. And, yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. Airbrush, nipped, tucked, you know, manipulated in all kinds of ways. I wish my younger self could have seen uh, what a normal woman's body looks like. Uh, And so I set out to share that. And you do, you'll see, I I don't make it a point because you do see these influencers out there who will say like, here's my body and here's my body relaxed. And, And I understand the reasoning for that, but I will just share photos of myself. And sometimes you can see my cellulite. Sometimes you can see stretch marks or rolls or whatever, but I don't make it a thing where I have to point that out every time because then I think that just becomes another thing as well. Um, but like you, you could see a natural woman's body for what it is because otherwise all you're really ever seeing are curated bodies. So that's, um, that's kind of how I got there.
0: Yeah. And I like how, uh, uh, authentic you are with it. Because it is, like you said, it's what you put your attention to. So see, even the fakeness and all of that, a lot of that's not real. But people then have this unrealistic idea of what it's supposed to look like. And then anybody that doesn't fit that mold is not pretty to them or not sexually attractive to them. You're an incredibly beautiful young woman, and you know that, but in a in a positive way. So tell me about the first uh, time that you Decided to do this in public uh, on one of the beaches, perhaps. Uh, How did that feel? I mean, the second you decided to do it and then stepping out and being visible, do you remember the eye contact you made with like the first person that you came in contact with? I mean, it's probably that burned into your memory, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Uh, So I was on the big island of Hawaii. I was doing a solo trip and I had learned about this beach at the southernmost area of the island and it was a clothing optional beach. And I had flirted with the idea of going and eventually I ended up going by myself and I show up on this beach and fuck man, like, There's families on this beach that are naked and like mothers in all shapes. I mean, you know, like a woman's body post-birth can show up and manifest in so many different ways and a lot of ways in which most women are ashamed of. And so I'm seeing women who are just showing up as, you know, just like however their body morphed with childbirth and child rearing and to see that and to see them interacting with their children and them not like because what i grew up with was i grew up with my mom who hid behind the camera or hid from the camera who was afraid even fully clothed was terrified of how she showed up on film or how other people would perceive her so to see these women just strutting around, doing their thing, playing with their kids and not hung up on how their body shows up was just fucking insane for me. Yeah. And then not only that, but, you know, you see couples out there enjoying themselves and it's not a sexual thing. And you see single people hanging out and fuck, I got to that beach. I found my spot and it didn't take me that long at all for me to just as a woman by myself to just fucking pull it all off. I'm like, this is it, yep. and it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> Nobody yeah. like started gawking at me. Nobody like came over and was like, "Wow, you know, you got some cellulite on your thighs. You should put your clothes back on." Like, yeah. there was none of that. Um, and and yeah, I, I remember just. I don't necessarily remember the people that I made eye contact with. I more so just remember just seeing people just in their full glory of themselves, not giving a shit about how their body shows up.
0: That's amazing. That's incredible. Very yeah. cool. We can add like a mental warrior goddess to your uh, accolades as well, because of how <laughs> friggin' brave you are for doing something like that. So your journey to that point Thank is you. fascinating. That is so cool. I uh, very uh, you don't need it, but I'm very proud of you. I think that you're a model uh, role model for folks out there who need that in their lives. And and I know that you've uh, had quite a few folks reach out to you that you've given the confidence to see themselves as beautiful and confident. And That's a wonderful thing. And so after that moment, you know, confidence is just a series of successes. So after that, it's a domino effect into another life. And if you can get over that part of it and that those types of insecurities, not only your eating disorders that you had, but then absolutely the body positive movement that you found yourself in. That's incredible. And uh, it just continues to this day. And it's a it's a beautiful thing to behold. uh, But it's you're you're awesome and you're an inspiration. So very cool. Like I said, guys, I will be linking that in the show notes. And uh, we again, thank Kelly for her stories because she's awesome. So let's talk about your badass book now. Um, So your book Safe Travels uh, is really, really cool. So it's an ebook formed. You got a published version of it, though, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, finally got it published.
0: Okay, cool. So there she is. Yep. All right, <laughs> we well, guys check this thing out, and it is an essential guide to safely journeying with psilocybin. So, what made you want to write that book? How did that come about?
1: It came about because I also, after exploring with clothing optional places, and I started exploring uh psychedelics and uh so on that trip on the big island uh where i did my first clothing optional beach i also spent a lot of time journeying with psilocybin on my own um and so after doing it and just having such an immense change, such a profound, immense change happened in my life and my confidence and just my understanding of myself and all the bullshit that's helped to keep me small and to keep me in fear and to keep me putting up walls where there didn't need to be walls. I decided to start speaking about psychedelics, uh, more so psilocybin on social media. So on my Instagram, I started making YouTube videos discussing all of these things as well. And something that always came up was I was just getting the same questions all the time. Mm. So I decided to create one single resource where you can get this resource and pretty much everything somebody new needs to know is located within the book. It's easy to, di- to digest. It's not a bunch of word salad. It's just like straight to the heart of What you need to know if you are new and looking to journey with psilocybin or if you're one of those people who i was when i was in high school i had used psilocybin in a recreational way and uh, it wasn't a good experience It, it was a learning experience but it wasn't as profound as what it can be so I created this book for people who are new or people who have had bad experiences to learn how to have good experiences, life-changing experiences with psilocybin.
0: It's it's well-written. You sent me an e-copy of it, and I really do appreciate that. So as I was going through it, uh, something that stood out was the honesty in it. It's very informative, but not over your head, which is great. It's a very approachable way. You know, you're know, you not digesting not only uh, the concepts, but the philosophy of somebody who and I adored, like Terrence McKenna, where you're just sitting there like, Holy shit, this dude is so profoundly smart, and there's way more philosophical things involved in this, but I love him as well. But you you really bring mm-hmm. it down to earth. You're a buffer between what you're capable of experiencing on on uh, these plant medicines, but also for somebody who's never done that. Uh, and it's very authentic, just like you. You're just a real authentic person. You exude that quality. And it and it comes out in your writing. It's very well written. So you do an awesome job. So uh, tell me about your first trip that you ever did. Like, what was the motivation? I know just to get fucked up. and And we all do that, I think, at first. But tell me about your first mm-hmm. trip.
1: My first trip was something that, was not planned at all. Uh, I was at my friend Lindsay's home and her ha- her house was like the spot where everybody hung out in our circle and uh, in her basement space. Are you familiar with that 70 show?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: You, you know, like when they're sitting around in a circle, kind of like passing the joint and there's... <laughs> It, it had that kind of vibe. We had that area where there was just like this vintage vintage hanging light over top of us. And that was our spot where we hung out and just like got high and did our thing in high school. Um, but one of our friends ended up having mushrooms. So he offered it to us. We took some mushrooms and God, by the time it started to kick in, uh, one of my friends at the time was sitting across from me and he had just freckles all over his face. (laughs) I speak about this in the book, but holy shit. Like my first experience seeing this where like his freckles popped off his face and kind of rearranged themselves and then went back. It was just like, how do you even put that into words? How do you, how do you tell somebody who's never experienced anything like that, that that can actually happen? Who knows if it actually happened or like, you know, whatever, however you want to ascertain that that was, that came into reality, but it was just an incredible experience to see that.
0: Yeah, and what I think that uh, tripping does initially, or what it did for me, uh, was is it takes you and it it allows you to kind of explore a universe or a reality that's here all the time, but that's not yes. visible in the light spectrum in which we view things, right? And so it kind of it retards your perception of reality in a way that you're just like holy shit, like you can just do this and things are not normal, you know, because you grow up for for your entire life basically in this fixed idea of what reality is, and it's this solid reliable thing that you can, you can hang Mm -hmm. on to. Right. And so whenever you, uh, venture into psychedelics. I think part of the reason that it's so beneficial uh, as a like like a medicine, for instance, is because it does do this. It shifts your reality in such a way that, uh, and you can you can go deep into the theories about maybe that's there all the time, and that all psilocybin oh, wow. does is unlock a door to a reality that's around you all the time, um, but you're unable oh. to perceive it without the aid of this beautiful plant or this beautiful fungus that we that's around us all the time. So, uh, whenever <laughs> whenever it ended, was there anything profound? Cause I know that y- you do want to go into it with intent or purpose to have like a profound experience. And that's where I've taken it. Um, whenever I used to do them. Um, uh, but it's, it's something that whenever you do go into it just wanting to get fucked up, you'll achieve that, right? Yeah. You, you got fucked up. So wh- what was the negative mm-hmm. part of the experience that you had?
1: The negative part is just, uh, knowing that you can have an incredibly profound experience with it. And at that point, I didn't have that. Yeah, it was cool to see that. It was cool to be laying in my friend's bed about to fall asleep. And she had those um, those thoughts glow in the dark little star fixtures that you could put up on your ceiling.
0: Yeah. yeah. And,
1: uh, looking up at that and seeing it twinkle as if I was actually looking up at stars outside, you know, that's all so very cool. And this, my first experience with psilocybin wasn't negative by any means. It was actually quite just chill and cool, but knowing that, hell I was like 16 years old. Um, if I could have gone into it, maybe with an intention, maybe with somebody to guide me through it, it could have set me on a completely different trajectory for my life. you know it, it could have gone from something that's just fun to something that's impactful and that can help me to reevaluate my life. And at that time I was bulimic as well. so it could have helped me to, you know, see see through what I was doing, why I was doing it. Uh, the source of why I was doing it and and go from there, a changed human being. But instead, I just, I had that fun experience, which was great, but nowhere near how profound it could have possibly been.
0: Yeah. And I, but I like, I like having those experiences because they are a comparison for what you experience now. Right. And it's still, yeah. Like you said, fun. I mean, my buddy's freckles shot off his face and they orbited around and then rearranged themselves into a different pattern. It's interesting. And it does wake you up in some area to the the possibilities of, uh, things and how, how it animates stationary objects. Of course, the carpet and the walls are, are things that are a lot of fun to, to watch and view as well. Uh, so let me ask you this. So why should somebody take mushrooms if they're interested in this? What, what would be a good reason for them to do that in your mind?
1: Mm-hmm. In my mind, uh, it's my belief that nobody really made it out of childhood. Uh, without some trauma <laughs> childhood or just life in general i think that we're all kind of hurt children stuck in adult bodies Ooh, okay. and yeah
0: that's deep as fuck dude <laughs> so, that, was, that was good
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> for sure there's there's a lot of hurt children <laughs> walking around who are just in these animated adult bodies who have no idea how to process and work through their shit uh, so i believe that if you are in the right mindset to take mushrooms, that they can have a profound, uh, just transformational uh, opportunity and experience for you, in which you can go from, Having some trauma in your life, not knowing where all of your things that are kind of holding you back, where you might be your own worst enemy, and just keeping yourself in a self-sabotage kind of mindset, you can start to unravel that and start to figure it out. I mean, I have friends who have done mushrooms once, who were a pack a day a smoker, pack a day smoker since the age of like fourteen, who did a healthy dose of mushrooms with intention, and then when they came down off the mushrooms, they're like, I don't want to touch cigarettes anymore wow. and cigarettes are like one of the hardest things for people to kick these days Yeah. so i've had people yeah if you're looking for to understand where your bullshit's coming from understand how it is that you're holding yourself back or just to have like a better sense of like connectedness to earth connectedness to other people i think mushrooms are where it's at
0: yeah i completely agree and i love their benefit is that your puppy
1: yeah. Cute. <laughs> Where's he at?
0: No, no, no. You're fine. This is a dog-friendly show. You're good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I well, I love it. Uh, your perspective is fantastic, of course. Um, so, tell me about uh, set and setting, because uh, a lot of folks may that out there that may not know that what that is. But please, just tell us your idea of set and setting and why that's important.
1: Yeah, set and setting is incredibly important when it comes to intentionally using any kind of psychedelic. And Really quite a lot of different things outside of psychedelics as well. And most of the time people have issues with psychedelics because they don't take set and setting into consideration, especially those of us who have used mushrooms as teenagers or in college. Uh, set and setting, set refers to your mindset going into the experience so you know if you're going into the experience like a lot of people do and they're like oh shit like i'm afraid of letting go of losing control and you're just focused on everything that you're worried about like all the negative outcomes that could arise then that's not going to give you the opportunity to have a really positive experience if that's the mindset that you're using or that you're coming with walking into the experience you can expect probably a pretty bad time. Yeah. So that's set. So your mindset setting is your environment in which you're taking it. So if I journey at home, I make sure that the home is clean, you know, that I don't have a bunch of shit piled up that my house doesn't look like a hoarder lives in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm taking careful consideration into making sure that the environment that I am in feels comfortable and feels relaxed because the last thing you want to do is, you know, be balls deep in a mushroom journey and then open your eyes, look all around you and you just see fucking like monsters coming out of the pile of clothes that you left on the floor. (laughs) Like, you know, you're, 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 you're looking at your shit and you're like, Oh my God, like I live in a consumerist mentality and so much shit can come up from having a shitty environment when you trip. Another thing is too, you don't have to just do it in your home. You could do it outside in a setting where you feel safe. uh, You feel more connected to nature, maybe in a setting where you know that there won't be a lot of foot traffic and you have to worry about people coming in and, and finding you because there's a whole level of not wanting that to happen (laughs) when you're tripping yeah yeah you don't want to be intruded upon so set and setting is just making sure your mindset is a-okay and not necessarily a-okay either going into it because most people who are doing magic mushrooms these days intentionally are doing it because they've had bouts of depression or they felt shitty and and they want to see how this can uh impact change on their life but just going into it with the idea like I'm doing this and this is going to help me instead of, oh, shit, what am I getting myself into? And then setting, just being sure that your environment is something that helps you to relax into the experience.
0: It's perfect, incredibly important, and very well said. Uh, mindset, I think, is, is a big one, just like you emphasize, and it's cool that you said that first. Uh, so with with these, you can go into it with intention of wanting some greater clarity. The thing about it is, and to your point about if you're going into it scared or apprehensive in in an extreme way, all it does is amplify that. Because what I find that psilocybin mushrooms uh, in particular do is they break down that barrier. They break down that wall. They erode it. So the walls that you've got up to keep you in your nice little area, they become transparent or evaporate into thin air altogether and everything else comes flooding back in. So being able though to go into it with that mindset, not scared, but ready to address a issues with your ego uh, then because your ego just evaporates with those walls as well that's actually what a metaphor for the walls are is your ego right and so it evaporates Mm -hmm. those and it allows you to see things from a new vantage point not only with the visuals that you are physically having in your body at that time uh, but also with mentally like you it the data input from them is so incredible you hear sounds differently everything's bright and vibrant and colorful it mm-hmm. opens your mind up to new possibilities but then you hang on to that opinion of that your reality isn't that rigid and it is flexible and malleable and that there is a different way to look at the world and it opens your eyes up to new perceptions, which is the most beautiful part about it. I think that that's, You know, if I was a creator, if there is a creator, then that's probably what they're here for. Uh, Also, though, Mm -hmm. why there's schedule one still in most states, not all of them. And and I think people are kind of getting their shit together with that, which is great. That's another sign of the ascension process happening, no matter what you think is going on with the lizard people running the world. uh, Some of (laughs) them um, actually uh, are kind of getting over that shit because I think we are, too. So what about some precautions? Because it is a blast. You do have a great time and set and setting are important. We've checked that off the list. Now, is this for everyone? And if it is for everyone or not, uh, what are some precautions that people who do choose to embark on this to make sure that they have a safe travel?
1: Yeah, well if you have schizophrenia or manic depression, and if you've been diagnosed yourself or you have it within your immediate family is highly recommended that you tread lightly and don't experience psychedelics. Uh, There there can be psychotic breaks for sure with somebody who is kind of on the cusp right there with uh, their mental health. So that's something to take into consideration. Uh, Another thing is, I believe it's, don't quote me here, uh, but I think it's SSRIs. (laughs) Uh, That if you are taking SSRIs, it can make it so that you need more mushrooms than what a typical person would. Uh, So if you're taking SSRIs and then you take, let's say, a three gram dose of mushrooms, it could be very much that you don't even experience anything at all. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, Another thing is, is just... Being uh, sure that you are going into it um, mentally prepared for what can happen, because some people will do mushrooms, they'll do psychedelics, and it will, (laughs) it can unravel a lot. You can have, I've had people tell me they've had past life regressions they've remembered shit that they didn't know happened to them and that they might have disassociated from or just like um, just put down deep inside and forgotten about and so shit can come up so you have to understand that if you are doing something like this there is a possibility of you uncovering some stuff that can be worthy of seeing a therapist for and unpacking even more um so can come up uh and, and it's just a matter of understanding that that is a possibility and it's not a possibility for all people but it certainly can happen and then not only that but yeah as i said watching out if you're schizophrenic if your family has a history of manic depression and also suicidal tendencies you know if you have had suicidal tendencies certainly they do recommend uh, that you do try psychedelics, but you also have to understand too, that a lot of people don't recommend doing psychedelics too, if you have suicidal tendencies, because uh, you know, shit can happen. You could end up just looking at all this and like, what is all this for, you know? And yeah. and that can send you off a cliff where you're just like, none of this really even matters. Uh, and I experience that sometimes when I trip, like none of this matters. But it's in a beautiful way where I'm like, none of this matters. It's all bullshit, but it's all beautiful at the same time.
0: Yeah. But yeah.
1: if you are predisposed to being in a really negative mindset, of having suicidal thoughts that same idea that none of this matters it's all bullshit can also be taken in a very awful way as well
0: yeah and that comes back to mindset not only your physical condition and biochemical condition that you're experiencing within yourself like you said with ssris or any of that but also yeah it can it depends on your perception on life so you really need to wake up with every day above grounds a beautiful day kind of mentality to really uh, come across one of these and not take it to the extreme of that yeah none, none of this matters i'll just check out now i like i like your perception on it because i have the same perception it's all bullshit but damn it i'm having a good time and it's beautiful i mean look at that tree you know look at that flower mm-hmm. and i've sat on the ground and, and watched energy exchanges in between plants and it's just so fucking cool so let's oh cool let's have some fun with the idea so I love your book. Again, we'll be linking to it in the show notes. You guys check that thing out. Uh, So let's uh, speculate wildly because I have a good time doing that with you. So uh, we briefly on the phone conversation we had, had the um, thought experiment about the idea that psilocybin mushrooms may be an entity themselves. Now, this is one of my favorite things to think about, because if you look at it, uh, the entity actually hijacks your consciousness. And then what it does is, and you can relate, is that it makes you want to protect nature a little bit more. It makes you more, if people want to use the word hippie, that's fine. Um, It makes you want to protect environments. It makes you, which... The entity of something that grows in the ground would want you to pay more attention to where you put roads and you know uh, where you build structures and all that kind of stuff. Maybe and it makes you want to get into gardening. It makes you want to spend time in nature. Uh, it kind of hijacks your consciousness. But in my mind, if it's legion, or remember that Rick and Morty were legion, and it takes over everybody's mind and. And they all become like this hive mind, but it's this beautiful utopian society. It, it would be something like that. So what, what do you think about that idea that, you know, spores of mushrooms hijacked and they jump onto people's clothing and dogs and all that, and then they'll travel somewhere else, get respawned and then grow. And then they usually grow on pathways where humans can find them, ingest them, animals find them, ingest them, and then spread them around and also take kind of this consciousness of being more conscientious about the planet and about the environment with them. I love that idea.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't doubt any of it. Right. I mean, if you think about the mycelial network and at any one point when you're stepping on fertile ground outside, how much mycelial Network is underneath just your foot alone is mind blowing. And to know that without having fungus, without having that network, we wouldn't exist either as human beings. Like if if we went without that, I mean, that would just be um, a formula for our imminent death really. So I think that, It's no coincidence that we are where we are right now in life with as awful as everything seems, you know, like if you you turn on the news, it's just like, it's fear porn. It's just, everything's going to shit. This world is falling apart. And I think that it is definitely no coincidence that we are where we are right now. And there seems to be this psychedelic Renaissance Mm -hmm. where more people are finding out about mushrooms. More people are taking them, and is that because of us, or is that because the mushrooms are like, oh, this isn't headed in a good direction? Let's try to like infiltrate the humans and get them to wake the fuck up and turn the ship around before it really is too late.
0: It it's perfect, and I completely agree with you. And it would be the a great way for an entity uh, or a life form to do that because we don't. It's we're. It's unsuspecting. We don't have any defense or idea against that kind of infiltration for lack of a better word. Uh you kind of look at it like, well, they're just mushrooms. They're not doing that. There's no way. But they actually do biochemically alter things in your perception and you find yourself being more connected, more in love with life in general, more um apt to like I said, uh be more friendly to the environment in which you live and the environment also just happens to be where they grow as well. It's almost like they're encouraging mm-hmm. a symbiotic relationship with us and not trying to hijack us and take us over to to be like zombies, but I don't know um it It's an interesting idea, and i I like the thought experiment of it because then it like like just the mushrooms themselves it it alters your perception enough to think of something whimsy, and you're just like damn that's mm-hmm. that's a really cool idea i like the I like the idea um so well, me, and, go ahead
1: oh well, I was gonna say too, and it's it's wild too that you think that the psychedelic mushrooms largely also grow on shit, so like. Here we got people who have, you know, since the dawn of man, if you want to talk about like the stone ape theory, have gravitated towards these piles of shit with mushrooms growing out of them and not been scared off like, oh, there's a pile of shit and there's a mushroom growing out of it. I probably shouldn't touch that, but somewhere along the line they're like give us a fucking go (laughs) like what's that about
0: the stone day uh, hypothesis i'd love because that was Terrence mckenna's food of the gods excuse me Great book, great read. Because mm-hmm. again, Terence McKenna, dude, right? I mean, he's in the beginning part of this, uh, the intro song that I've got. I've got a few quotes from him. I I love him. Uh, so um, the interesting part about uh, Stoned Ape hypothesis is is that basically the idea is if we evolved from hominid uh, creatures at one point, monkeys or whatever, or chimps at one point, probably bonobos because they like to fuck everything, and we're all about that. So um, <laughs> the they were up in the tops of trees, and then they started making their way down out of trees, and then started crossing the savanna. Well, there they encountered bovine or or land creatures that yeah took huge shits so what they did was is they were already in the habit of flipping over rocks logs pieces of shit because that's where they would find bugs that's where they would find nutrients for bugs and things great source of protein back then uh we didn't know any better and so uh then they would encounter these mushrooms and then yeah they would just take them and then that's where you know because there's there's an a mysterious doubling of the human brain size about two hundred fifty thousand years ago they think where it just all of a sudden doubled Now, one could argue that that's maybe an alien intervention and that they came in, or, and why it's called a hypothesis, is because that's what happened whenever we started taking these psychedelic mushrooms and started getting, like we talked about earlier, the data input. You're better able to survive, and this happened over millions of years, right, or thousands of years. Uh, You're better able to survive because you can hear a mountain lion coming a lot further out than your buddy who's just drunk on fermented peaches or something like that did, right? You can uh, connect more, so therefore you can survive because you've got more of a tribal mentality, and that's when connections and uh, tribes started forming. It, it's a cool idea. I think it's awesome. I think it does explain a big gap uh, in information that we have from that time period about why the human brain just exploded in size. Uh, it's something that I can I could see being fairly accurate and scientifically verifiable. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, stone age. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and when you think about it and imagine that first instance where they eat that mushroom and they could have just had a piece, they could have ate a whole one. I mean, who knows the dose at which they had taken back then? And then you're just off, you know, like (laughs) blasting off through a rocket ship. And (laughs) I mean, imagine that. Who knows the abilities they had to talk with one another back then and to formulate thoughts and everything and then you're just like off the deep end all of a sudden right you're just like you're seeing shit and can they even put into words what they're seeing you know like what they're experiencing That brain would have had to have developed some to be able to put it into words to to be able to understand that right
0: yeah i mean we have a problem explaining it now I know, right? Especially if you if you think about you know the DMT experience. Uh, so let me ask you about that because that's not something I've embarked upon yet. Uh, it's something I'm incredibly interested in. Uh, so tell me about uh, DMT. Why you decided to take it and what your first time was like.
1: Mm-hmm. So I've done the two different uh, variations of it. So like N N DMT, which is the more visual. Uh, version of DMT, and then also 5 MEO or BUFO, uh, the toad medicine. So I've done both of those. Uh, the first experience with NN DMT was incredibly profound. Uh, after I blasted off, I went into this gray ether of a space in which I felt just this knowingness, this love, this comfort, everything felt okay. If I had to imagine where your soul maybe resides, if you believe in reincarnation, uh, that that is probably where your soul goes between lives. Um, It was just a really beautiful experience. I started crying during it only because I realized I had to come back here (laughs) and I wanted to stay there.
0: Is that the video that you posted? Um,
1: Yes. Okay, uh, I watched that incredibly
0: powerful. Very powerful Mm because, and I liked your perception of it because you had to come back here, not because it was scary or because of any of that, because it was so warm and loving and joyous that you realize that what we're living here is very reductive and restraining. Uh, and it, even though it comes with its experiences and it is beautiful, having that experience like you did, it's got to be profound. So, what did you what did you see? I mean, I know it's hard to put into terms like that, like the monkey, right? Taking the first mushroom, but what from your perspective that you can remember, what did you experience?
1: So no one NNDMT experiences the same. So during that experience, it was like a gray realm. Uh some people report seeing all kinds of fractals they will see like Mayan architecture just crazy things and all I experienced throughout that time was this gray space and a feeling uh, but when I started to come to uh, I had three gray aliens stand over top of me and wave goodbye to me which was absolutely bizarre um, but that experience was so profound I mean I've had I've had access to DMT quite a lot. And it was such a profound experience that it took me a very long time to process that and integrate it into my life that the next time I did it was maybe like three or four years later, even though I could have done it multiple times throughout that span. And that experience was much different. Um, if I could best describe it, it was like, There was a projector in the corner of my eyesight where I could only see over here things going on. And what I basically saw was a bunch of old timey cartoon style figures, whether it be the machine elves or just like bizarre characters dancing, doing jigs, and kind of like putting on a show for me. Um, It was cool. You know like some people just love to see that shit and eat it up but i feel that if my first experience with nndmt would have been that where i just saw machine elves dancing around and doing cool shit putting on a show i don't think i would have been like "Eh, okay well that was cool but what is that How, how do i process that what's the point of that and i probably would have been really turned off by nndmt and probably wouldn't have investigated or tried to do it any further and it is because of that that i am kind of meh about it you know like i could you know that that first experience where i went to that other space that other realm that was just gray but felt so amazing um that was incredible and and maybe i would do nndmt again in hopes that maybe I could revisit that spot. But uh, yeah, and NDMT people can have very profound experiences on it. And I did my first time, but that second time just kind of left me in a zone where I was like, this is hit or miss. I know that there's other more potent medicines out there to work with and recreationally doing psychedelics is great and fun and all. But primarily when I dose with them, I'm, I'm looking to do some deep work. So 5-MeO-DMT is kind of that place for me.
0: Okay. And that's that's a question I had uh, is with psychedelics, and it seems with a, a variety of other, uh, with psilocybin rather, and a variety of other psychedelics, you, you do have intent and you can kind of go into it with the, uh, I'm not going to say expectation, but you can go into it with the desire to have a certain experience. And you'll usually get that that experience in one way or another, right? You can go into it with wanting to quit smoking, and you'll yield that result. It sounds like within NDMT, dmt like you were talking about, it's you're not. It doesn't matter what intent you go into it with. It it kind of takes you, so there's no real control yes. with it. Interesting. So it kind of sh- shows you what you wanted to see, because in that way, like you said, a lot of people, like the machine elves that you talked about, Terence McKenna as well, talks about. Uh, it that is some people's experience. Well, maybe the drug itself, which is in everything, it's in human beings already, it's in plants, it's in everything, maybe that kind of knows what you need to experience. And it's like, ah, I got you. You know, yeah, you've done mushrooms. Okay, we quit smoking. Nice job. Now check this shit out. We got you covered. Just sit back. <laughs> because if you would have right. had the machine elf experience at the beginning, like you said, it would have turned you off just a little bit, you know, just would have uh, kind of dampened mm-hmm. your enthusiasm for it but because you totally. didn't have the experience, because DMT knew that you needed to have this feeling, uh, it gave you that. I, I think that this perspective is fascinating. So what uh, mm-hmm. what happened with the 5-MeO?
1: So 5-MeO, um, the first two experiences I had with it, I did it through a friend who's a facilitator, and she served over a 1,000 people uh, with her. Her and I have a history together, and I kind of look at her as a mother figure, if you will. Uh, and she knows my history with my family. It's not necessarily a positive one, but it's brought me to where I am, and I am grateful for my experience with my family. But that being said, the couple of times that I have done it with her have been pretty, uh, I released a lot Uh through tears, through energetic, just like crying and just letting go of a lot of shit. I feel that I had some sort of trauma encapsulated within my body that was released during each of those experiences with her. And I'm sure it had a lot to do with releasing uh, wounds attached to my mother and seeing the facilitator as my mother figure. It helped me to release a lot of that. So... That was incredible. Uh, The second time I had done it with her as well, uh, we had been moved over to this property here for about one or two months. And it was after the fire evacuation. And we were living in a camper here before the cabin itself was final uh, and, and complete for us to move over into this. And I was at this point where we dealt with the fire evacuation. We were living in a camper. and I can live in a camper, but living in a camper and just the stress of everything. And not only that, but we're still in a lockdown here in California and just feeling like there was no getting out of any of this feeling trapped, feeling just, I, I had, I was in a really bad funk, if you will I call it depressed. I don't, it, it was a mixture of just feeling hopeless, feeling like, this lockdown is never going to get lifted and just couple that with all of the stuff that we had to deal with just moving over to this property and then dealing with the evacuation. I was feeling, I was in a really bad headspace and that second experience with five MEO DMT like that, I snapped out of it. Wow. Um, that mood I was in. And, and, you know, like, I feel that I am pretty well equipped with, Knowing meditation, yoga, fitness, all of the things that can help naturally to combat depression or being your own worst enemy that negative thought process that can kind of just loop in your head. I'm pretty well equipped to be able to handle that. I just could not, for whatever reason, shake the funk that I was in. And when I did that DMT, that 5MEO, that second time, I just fucking got out of it instantly. And since September, when I did that for the second time, I've just been riding this beautiful high.
0: That's incredible. What did what did you experience? Not only the feeling, but visually, was there anything? Because I know InN is way more visual, but Five MEO, um, I still hear that there's some interaction with entities or something like that. Is that was that your case?
1: I have not dealt with entities the four times that I've done Five uh, MEO now, okay. Uh, and it hasn't been too heavy on the visuals. What more so I experience is just going to this. I don't know. It almost feels like you're being electrocuted without that awful feeling. It's like a fusion of energy just bursting at the seams and you're just seeing this white light. Maybe the white light that people say that they see when they die. Maybe that's it. You just see like this, or at least I have seen this—just fusion of white, light, bright light—and it feels like you are returning to
0: source. Um,
1: it's it's incredible. It's absolutely overwhelmingly beautiful feeling.
0: It's that return to source that thing that interests me uh, because I have heard other experiencers that have, have talked about that, and it's almost like if you if you take it from. The perspective of that we're, I know I've said this on every damn show now, but uh, on the, from the perspective of that we're all God experiencing itself subjectively, you know, we're here just to experience, not to learn and to karma and to all this other shit. Uh, then it it takes it to, well, if that's the case, then there's an argument to be made that there's levels of energy that reduce down to this vibration. And what you may be experiencing in that is... Uh, bypass of all those levels and straight to source energy, which is why it's so powerful and so electric. It's almost like there's cases where people have talked about if you are to experience source energy, you'd light up and you would basically just die because you can't you need you need to filter it down right but that that's kind of like yeah. a a hack you know it's like you're breaking the system a little bit and you're kind of jumping past those other levels that are there to protect you uh, so that whenever you're mm-hmm. reduced down to this vibration, you have the experience that you're here to have that you've chosen to have but it is interesting how powerful and it is cool that it is kind of like a like a secret hack, like it's a way of hacking the matrix, if you want to put it that way, that you can jump out of this existence and just go, It's a cheat code, that's perfect. I like that, uh, that's even better. Um, so that's yeah. an interesting perspective. I like that, and it does. Did it re did you feel that way before, like what I just explained that we're all gods and and we're all just we're all the same thing? And and then cool. that just kind of do you think though that's why you had the experience you had, or did you think that it only validated what you felt already?
1: I think it validated what I felt, for sure.
0: Yeah. When you
1: go back to that, it, it, and I feel you're, you're going back. Like, right. that's that's where you originate from, for sure. So, you go back there, and it's like, how else do you describe it than that being where you're coming from? Like, to put it into words is such a bastardization of what you actually experience. But, like when you experience something like that, to try to explain it as anything other than that, to try to do the mental gymnastics of, oh, that's just like, (sighs) yeah, it's so hard to even try to comprehend and, and put it into words like I'm trying to right now. I'm just flopping over what I'm trying to say, but like, yeah, it's, I feel that you go back to that place where we all originate from.
0: Yeah, but your challenge in explaining it is the challenge in the experience, because <laughs> explaining it in this dumb, dumb monkey language that we've we've created to interact with ourselves, it it is reductive. I mean, it's reductive even to describe like the most beautiful things that you can look at, not on psychedelics, um, like describing the right. feeling of of being in love or or something like that. It's it's just so reductive. It doesn't do it justice at all. So, I like the challenge you have in explaining it because it it further (laughs) validates the experience, right. Of how profound it is. (laughs) I I like that. You, Mm -hmm. you said it all by the things that you said, if that helps out. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, you are an absolute delight. I just had a, just a few more questions for you here and then I'll let you get to your evening out there. Um, so what, what do you think, um, I wanted to ask, so if we could have just some fun with it, what do you think the world around us is? Like, what do you think we're, what do you think it all is? When you look around, what's your interpretation?
1: Good question. Uh, I am never like completely 100% on a stronghold with my beliefs. My beliefs kind of morph as I go along. And at this current stage of my life, I've played a lot with this idea that we are in a simulation <laughs> and that's kind of like where I'm at right now is just flirting with this idea that this is all just a simulation and maybe what we're in is like a Westworld kind of thing where we, we are... <sighs> entertainment for something somebody and now there's a vast majority of us who are starting to come to the realization that everything isn't exactly as what it what it's portrayed to be and we're starting to wake up just like the characters in westworld do so that's kind of where i'm at with that but then as we were speaking about earlier too psychedelics really do have a way of thinning the veil and it was on lsd that i started to flirt with the idea that you know everything is static as we see it it's just her it's it's there and it's not moving but when you are on something like lsd or mushrooms you're starting to see how things just blend and move and undulate and maybe that's what we saw as children as well you know and then somewhere along the line um we got domesticated if you have read the book the four agreements they speak beautifully about domestication children and everything and somewhere we got domesticated and we got our our imagination and our wonder beaten out of us so that we could function in the society. Because could you imagine trying to function in a society that we have right now, where every so often you're getting stopped by just complete awe of the way things are moving around and like seeing a fucking tree breathe. And, and you're seeing that and how productive could you be if that's all you ever saw and you got stopped at every step to take notice of all of that stuff. So, you know, I I volley between this idea that we are in a simulation and that we are within this construct too, where things are so much more than what they seem. But we are so stuck in this idea of performance, being productive. You know, doing the nine to five, getting to work, getting home, doing, you know, doing, 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 and not being—that we have become numb to how just incredibly beautiful things are. And I think that psychedelics, acid, mushrooms, all of these things help to thin that veil so that we can revisit things as how we were seeing it through child eyes.
0: Absolutely, I I love the simulation idea, but to what you said about the domestication, yeah, Four Agreements is one of those books. There's two books that changed my life early on, Four Agreements and The uh, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. And the mm-hmm. those are the two probably most like bought and given away books by me. You know, I'm just like, here, just get this information out to people. I think it should be mandatory reading for everybody. And it's interesting, the thought experiment of domestication. And I've I've thought a lot about this, actually, whenever you think about, yeah, because when you are kids, you're only learning what people want you to learn, not necessarily what's true. And so, when people have figured out that they can monetize domestication, they can make you, you know, and that's what the school systems are all about, right? Is it's not there to make you learn and question um, for yourself. And Dead Poet Society was one of those movies that broke me out of that that mentality, right? Where it it mm-hmm. really sat there, and you and you start to realize that all these different ideas are what a society what what i get caught up in thinking is what a society would look like if we were training our children to hang on to that and to keep that and, and encourage them to enjoy the way the natural world is and then you look at like the the people in like the i know the amazon tribes and stuff that have never been or had very little contact with uh western civilization is how i'll put it those folks may have it right. And those are the people that will survive when the power grid goes down. And those are the people that we <laughs> consider super primitive, but that have been utilizing these plant medicines and contacting with the natural world and live in conjunction with it. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. It's definitely a trade off. You know, I mean, air conditioning's cool and I love it because I live in Texas, but, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for the simplicity and for the purity of something like that. And without, you know, and then you, you, Contemplate the idea that if indoctrination wasn't a thing, like if you, like the idea of if you didn't tell kids this is how you should believe because mom and dad believe this, or you know these people over here aren't as lucky as you because they don't know the real God because of where their mom decided to get pregnant and have them, and environmental things that are completely out of anybody's control. To me, the idea that uh, that raising children in that way with isolation from society. Wouldn't be really like a a bad thing for the child. It's not child abuse in any way. If nothing else, you could argue that what we put children through with indoctrination with <laughs> society—that's honestly more of the child abuse. That's where. But but I think also it's designed like that. For it's like this perfect design of shitty keep Reptilian people, right? They want to control everything because now it's like we have kids that have problems; they have eating disorders. Now they get Prozac, and then now you go nine to five, and now you're depressed. And now we make the things that help you out illegal, and we demystify the people that try and tell you the truth, and all of that. But to the greater underlining knowledge of all that, and I know a little—I got a little bit of diary of the mouth here—but my point is, is that. Uh, It seems like if this is a simulation, which I lean way more towards that idea, a lot lately especially, and the more you look at it, the more it seems um, pretty, like that's probably what's going on if you had to really reduce it. Uh, But it's like a simulation that, from a higher purpose, right? Like God or source energy said, "Hey, here's this cool world that you guys can go interact in. It'll be whatever you want it to be." And then we're going to throw a bunch of humans on this place and you're going to have gravity and you're going to have nighttime, you know, for this amount of time and daylight for that amount of time. Um probably said stay away from cliffs because of the whole gravity thing, remember? And you're given like a set of rules, <laughs> kind of or guidelines within the environment to follow like, you know, uh mountain lions bite your face, you know. They just do that. So, but um and then one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is the idea that if we are in a simulation and we are all out here just figuring it out and that it is a big game or a ride, that some of us are just on different levels of the experience, right? And there are cheat codes or hacks as far as psychedelics goes, as far as interactions and cool conversations with great people, um, especially now with technology because geography isn't, a, isn't an issue. It's not a not a deterrent. Uh, but. Then you think, well, if I'm out here having this experience, but I'm interacting with a bunch of people that have different experiences, right? It's kind of like those people that buy Lamborghinis, but they drive them around a bunch of Pintos and trucks that don't have insurance. And so you're out here in this dope-ass supercar, but you've got a bunch of fucktards around you as well on their phone, and they don't have insurance, so they don't give a shit about your experience. It's just different levels, you know? And it's like I was tell- telling Amy Belair, I'm not a level cyst. I don't think that there's any better or wrong way to do it i just think it's about what serves you and what doesn't serve you and this is why so i Mm -hmm. wanted to ask you um about conspiracy theories so i think you and i um i think once you get to a point of spiritual awakening you either get spiritual awakening and then into conspiracies or conspiracy theories that lead you to a spiritual awakening i i think that they're pretty tied together so what is the first conspiracy theory you heard of that made you go uh this might all be fucking bullshit going on out here what was what was that
1: uh, the first one that I really took seriously was definitely nine eleven.
0: Uh, that's a heavy um, one.
1: Yeah, that was it. I believe I saw a nine eleven loose change. And at that point I was like, well, if if they can do this and, and have no qualms about the amount of lives that were just collateral damage for whatever scheme it was that they were trying to push, whatever, you know, whether it was trying to increase the nanny state, I mean, whatever it was like these people were collateral damage. They all died in nine 11 and we're trying to put this off on Muslim people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're trying to uh, say that these, what was it? 12, uh, Saudi Arabian men, uh, hijacked planes and flew them once (laughs) once you really do the digging and you see architects engineers people with substantial backgrounds who are like, I can't fathom how this was done. I can't fathom how somebody flew a plane into a building and was managing to clear all of these other buildings in the way and, and just make it so that it hit perfectly. Once you start to hear these people talk and then you learn about building seven mm-hmm. and how that wasn't even hit by a plane, but still it fell down. Um,
0: and it was reported just, as falling else? down half an hour before in England. Then, and with them, and with it in the background, they said building seven just fell down. And it's like, no, dude, it's right there. You guys got to get your timing right. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I
1: know, right? <laughs> so it's like, what else are they capable of? You know, and and if these people are just collateral damage, then it really makes you kind of concerned about the reality of our safety. You know, you could you could just set off on a, another flight thinking that you're just going to end up going over to Bora Bora on a vacation for your honeymoon. And then next thing you know, your collateral damage yourself with entities and people who don't give a shit about you and just see you as a pawn in this whole game. So yeah, that one woke me up. Definitely.
0: Yes. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I've, I've come to the, uh, kind of the observation lately, because I've, I've really kind of changed my mind about all this. Not, not that that doesn't exist. And those things aren't very, very real. Cause I, that is a firm, firm thing. What I've, what I've become lately is fairly dispassionate to the desire I've had for years. And I'll, I'll say over a decade now to wake people up to say, dude, sh- check this video out, check this, you know, you've got to look at this. You know, I probably forwarded that Zeitgeist movie around to everybody that I knew because that one had a lot I mean, it went through everything, right? Uh, uh, It broke down Christianity, the banking system, and 9-11, all in one beautiful three-hour documentary that this dude did a great job on. And of course, people out there are trying to poke holes in this thing, but there's a ton of accuracy in that film. And that was one that I—it really lit the fire. I was like, no, I got to tell everybody about this. It's my responsibility to wake everybody up. I've lately, especially over the past few months, come to the conclusion that it's not my job, that this information's out there for the people that want to hear it. And, you know, you're... You're pushing people away whenever you're challenging their cognitive dissonance because they're not going to look at new information anyway. They don't want to hear it. They want their football game. They want their Real Housewives of whatever. They want you know their many petties and stuff. Which is there's nothing wrong with any of that. But the the challenge is is that whenever you bump up against people, and that's how I'll describe it because it's not an easy conversation bringing people to these great awarenesses that folks like you and I have come to. It it's one of those things to where uh, it's it's a moot point as well as There's a saying that what uh, your response to the crisis is part of the crisis, right? So when you Mm. feed into the other side of it, like we've probably done over this last year and freaking the fuck out about, no, check out this B. Gates guy. Now that's too obvious and we can't say his full name. So let's say Bill G. Okay. Um, Anyway, (laughs) that's a South Park thing. So all right. uh, Yes. Simpsons deal. Uh, So. When whenever you whenever you come to those realizations and you sit there and you say, "No, we're all fucked," you know, you guys have got to wake up. It it's part of the crisis. Like that side of it is still part of the plan, right? To get people divided, to get people to lose their damn minds. So I've been under the impression for a while now that you just got to tend the garden you got. Like you out there on your on your land, you're tending your own garden. You don't let these things affect you negatively because you've come to the mature realization that there's nothing you can do about it. What you can do is enjoy every moment and every day with what you've got all around you all the time. So what I've, what I've also come to realize lately as a conspiracy analyst is, is that there's different levels of conspiracies, right? So 9 11s a heavy one. That one's up there because it impacts people on their day-to-day. It's, it's heavy, you know? That's a reptilian orchestrated shit right there. What about a fun one? Like, uh, you know, the different fun uh, mm-hmm. conspiracy theories. What, what's a couple that you enjoy because you're just like, damn, this is cool. It's inconsequential and it's fun.
1: Oh, man. I mean, there's some about like people being cloned or people dying, dying, but assuming a different identity. So the one I recently saw, and I don't put any faith into this, I just thought, oh, my God, where's this going? Is uh, that Jim Morrison didn't die. Jim Morrison was Rush Limbaugh.
0: What? Um (laughs) No way. I have not heard this one.
1: i don't know man (laughs) Uh, yeah i just saw this within the last month after Rush limbaugh died but Uh. yeah they took like an image of jim morrison and like superimposed or like did the um transparency over top of rush limbaugh's face to try to show how they have the same facial features okay um so of course yeah like that kind of stuff just um i i don't put much stock into it but i wouldn't who knows like fuck right if i've learned anything it's anything is possible shit like so yeah that kind of stuff is kind of like fun to play around with but i don't know how much I, i put faith into it
0: I like that one. Or the Bill Hicks is Alex Jones thing. Have you heard that?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: (laughs) That's a shot on Bill Hicks.
1: I mean, he he could be for all I know. I mean, I didn't see Bill Hicks die. I don't
0: know. (laughs) Yeah, no. And you're right. You're right. It's only what you observe with your eyes. This is why like the flat earth uh, thing is so fascinating to me because I've got a buddy of mine and we talk about this and I'm like, you can't, I can prove to you that you can't prove 100% that we live on a globe or what they tell you that we live on. Now, whether it is or not, it doesn't matter. It's inconsequential, right? On a superficial level. But if they can lie to you about something like that, then yeah, that's a pretty deep, big, um, ballsy type of a thing, right? But it was funny too because I I just tell him look you can't see it with your own eyes and he just gets exhausted with all this shit and so that's why I get to reach out and talk to people like you because you're all about it you'll you'll entertain the uh, the idea
1: oh yeah I'll listen to anybody talk about flat Earth but at the same time you know creationism flat Earth the Big Bang like. I- I don't know. But what I do know is a simulation seems more fucking realistic to me now at this point in my life than any of those things ever have. So I agree. Yeah, I I can just go by what my intuition and what my current knowledge kind of helps me to understand.
0: Yeah, and maybe kind of that's the way we figure it out, right, is because we have a reference now. Like, if you tried to explain a simulation to uh, ancient peoples, they wouldn't have a reference. But we've got video games. We've got The Sims. We've got, like, World of Warcraft, which I never play, but I'm aware of the concept, right? So we we have, like, a reference point to it, right, where you can kind of follow it logically and say, oh, okay, eventually maybe we'll figure something like that out. And therefore it's entirely possible and therefore we can kind of, like I said, we can comprehend it a little bit better. I like the simulation theory one. I I think that the, like you, the more I, if we've really got to psychoanalyze it, maybe plant our flag somewhere, but I'm also like you in the fact that I don't have beliefs, I have ideas. It's like that line from uh, Dogma when Chris uh, Rock said, I don't have uh, beliefs, I have ideas because beliefs are harder to change. Um, And I'm like you, I live in a world of possibilities. So have you ever heard of a guy named David Eagleman? He's a neuroscientist.
1: Mm-mm, okay, no. so
0: he came up with the term, which I, if if I had to label myself, I, I kind of put myself in this camp, and he came up with the term possibilian. And the deal with that is, is that he argues that we know way too much about religion to say that that's it, and it's super limited and super reductive, right? But we don't know enough about science or anything, really, to say that there's no such thing as spiritualism or God or any of that stuff. So you find yourself in this place of possibilities, right? Like we can rule that out, but we can't rule this out. So therefore you have to, you have to identify as that. And that's, that's what I find the most comforting. It's just a world of possibilities. I, I love that. Um. It's just fun, so uh, I just uh, like a fun couple of questions here. Uh, if you want to have some fun with it, and then we'll we'll probably wrap this thing up. So, so what do you think uh, aliens are? Okay, uh, you subscribe to kind of the fact that there's entities or UFOs or something like that. There's several different arguments for it, and living in a world of possibilities, what what do you think, or what's the one that's most exciting to you?
1: Hmm. Uh, I ventured down the rabbit hole of them possibly being time travelers. Kelly Hanner. uh,
0: (laughs) Kelly Hanner with a bullet. Number one, my favorite. (laughs) Hell yeah. All my listeners are sitting there going, God damn it. He said it every episode now. Okay, we get it. They're future time travelers. (laughs) I did not prompt her to say that, guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That happened organically. Yes. (laughs) Uh huh, yeah. So, so, there's something cool about the idea that they're time travelers just coming back, maybe trying to intervene from shit really hitting the fan, or maybe just as a way to. I mean, hey, if somebody offered you the ability right now to time travel back to like the dawn of age, you'd probably go back there, right? Hell yeah, to I see, see what it looked like.
0: How the pyramids were built. I want to see dinosaurs. I think that would be awesome
1: awesome yeah yeah yeah. and you know there 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 might be rules around that you may not be able to influence it right because then you're changing the future so maybe there's like a non-interventionalist kind of idea uh there's it's just it's so cool to think that it, it could be a time traveler right Um, But of course, then there's also the idea that there's just advanced civilizations and who knows who's out there, who, what they're capable of and their ability to travel here and see what the hell we're doing, whether they're just coming over to visit and they, you know, they're locking their car doors as they're passing by.
0: (laughs) Roll them up. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, to to think that aliens don't exist is some of the most shallow-minded kind of thought processes I could ever imagine just oh this is it this is the best the universe has to offer yeah. is, is this civilization that's cannibalizing itself <laughs> like come on you know <laughs>
0: It's perfect. I completely agree. Could not agree more. That is that is awesome. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm going to give you two because I want two. So if you could have two superpowers, anything you want, uh, what would those superpowers be? Mm. I usually ask one, but I, I felt ability... it to be hypocritical because I have two. So go. Ahead. My apologies. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> nice. Uh, the ability to fly. Okay hmm. I would love to fly. I mean, <laughs> to be able to just bypass the whole TSA bullshit. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I'm good, guys. We're good. Yeah. Uh
1: huh. Yep. Flying would be really cool. And being invisible, I think just being able to just put an invisibility cloak over myself and be able to be a fly on a wall, huh. Um. I, I think could be pretty fucking cool.
0: I agree with that. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, uh, mine is a uh, mm-hmm. teleportation and psychometry. I think that that would be cool because technically, if you could teleport, you could fly because then you just teleport five feet in front of you, and now you're flying, right? Uh, but then you could also mm. end up around the world without having to travel that distance. So definitely teleportation. And then you know what psychometry is? No. That's whenever you can touch an object Tell and me. know. That's when you can touch an object and know the complete history of it. So think about Ooh. that. Yeah, you could go to like Mayan pyramids and stuff and you could touch that Mayan pyramid and know exactly how they were built, what was going on at the time, look around and kind of, you know, <clears throat> be in this world of what, it, what happened at that time. Same with the pyramids, same with uh, a dinosaur bone, you know, any of that stuff. So you could actually time travel in that way, right? But then you would be hmm. unaffected by the dangers of it. You could just experience the idea of it. I had to add that one to the list because I heard about it and I was like, fuck, that would be... That'd be cool if I could teleport and do psychometry. That would be that would be cool shit.
1: Super cool, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing, but that definitely would probably be my third one. <laughs>
0: okay, got you. So if you're ever offered three, uh, then there you go. Okay, so uh, <laughs> another fun one, what's your favorite animal? Like if you had, hmm. you know, like a favorite animal and anything you want, uh, alive or dead, by the way. It could be an extinct um Like varmint that you know about from the Cretaceous that's no longer around.
1: Favorite animal would probably oh that's tough. Um, I would have to say possibly like a dog. And not just any dog, but if I were going to be a dog, I'd want to be like a golden retriever in a middle-class family, just living nice. its best life, like Marshall uh, from uh, Joe Rogan's yeah. uh,
0: Golden That retriever. looks like a happy dog. A dog's yeah,
1: like, yeah <laughs> for sure. Like, w- why would I be anything else?
0: <laughs> yeah. Th- and think of that dog's life, too. It's like, oh, hang on. So I get to meet Neil deGrasse Tyson and the Wu-Tang Clan all in the same week. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs>
1: yeah for sure yeah getting fed like the best animal straps from his elk huntings and like oh my god yeah
0: yeah, and I also like that the that it's lost on him, you know, that he doesn't understand that that's you know the wound tangling right there. It's just he's just like, hi, you're another person. You have hands, make them pet, do do the thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. He has no idea that he's Joe Rogan's dog. Like right. what? Like that's crazy.
0: Right, right. Uh, it's it's adorable and awesome all at the same time. All right, Kelly. So Mm -hmm. um, I I wanted to thank you again for your time. And you have an open invite to come back anytime. You're an absolute delight. I've really been looking forward to speaking with you. And of course, you didn't disappoint you. you, This was so much better than I could have ever expected because I don't have expectations because that's in the four agreements, right? (laughs) Uh, So uh, (laughs) tell, even though I will be linking it in the show notes, in your own words, please, uh, if you don't mind, just tell my audience where they can find you. In
1: the meantime, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, Instagram's been doing a number with my account and censoring me so you can find me there Uh, you can find me on my patreon Uh, patreon just look me up Kelly Hanner I appreciate anybody's support for anybody who wants to help to support my message and then also on YouTube just find me through my name Kelly Hanner and then you can also find my ebook on my website mushroomebook.com. Or if you want a physical copy or a Kindle copy, uh, you could type in "Safe Travels." It also helps if you type in "Safe Travels plus my name" because sometimes you can type it in and it won't pop up with
0: my book. So. Right. Okay. Awesome. Well, like I said, thank you so much. This has been an absolute delight. Thank you. We really appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your time, Brandon, and this platform to be able to do this. It's oh, much appreciated.
0: Yeah. Like I said, you're Soul Tribe now. You're any anytime, darling. You come anytime. All right, well, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Many hugs and a thousand thank yous to Kelly Hanner for coming on the program. She is awesome. You guys definitely check out the links below on how to find her. Uh, great conversation. She's absolutely wonderful. Please keep up with this young lady. She's doing great things. And she uh, I think I've talked her into doing her own podcast, so look forward to that. Uh, as far as this show goes, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you want to email the show directly, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. As well as uh, this video and all the other ones will be up on YouTube. YouTube, and you can just go to YouTube there. Type in "expanding reality," the verb, not the past tense. We're not expand dead. We're expanding reality. To that point as well, you guys, please do something nice for somebody else. Pick up a piece of litter. Get the hell out of the left-hand lane. Do something nice for your fellow human beings. Uh, go pet a strange dog. You know, that's always nice as well. Uh, and overall, the big message that I want you guys to take out of this outro is to be good to one another. We'll see you next time.